Welcome everybody. Welcome to River Glen. Thank you so much for inviting us into your home, wherever you are today. If you're just finding us online, my name is Ben, and I want you to know I'm just so glad that you're with us, no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. I'm so encouraged by how God is working in amazing ways during this unusual time of life. We're actually reaching more people for Jesus than ever before. But this is a strange and unprecedented season of life. We continue to social distance as I speak to an empty room again today. So many things have changed in our lives in recent weeks, like playing the game, Where's Waldo? It's just not quite the challenge that it used to be. All of us have had to deal with a lot of changes in our lives in recent weeks. I came across some Instagram posts that give us a glimpse of what reality is like uh, right now. Many of us want to get in shape during this COVID season, but we end up eating lasagna in the shower. That's a great one. Or like this next one, we think about the destination for our next vacation. That's a good one too. This next one, I think, summarizes the way a lot of us feel. Yep, I finished Netflix today. You didn't know it was possible, but it is. And then this last one, getting ready to go to the living room, getting dressed up for a date night at home. This is what it has come to. I think we've all realized that this COVID season can cause a lot of strain on relationships if we're not careful. We can get really irritable with the people we love the most. We used to have chunks of time away from each other, whether it was school or work or errands or whatever. But now it's like we're together all the time. And every time you go out of the house, you go together and you're all wearing masks and it's like a scene from The Walking Dead. It can put stress and tension on relationships. So today we begin a new series through the end of the month about how to not just love the ones you say that you love, but how do we like them? How do we develop and grow better relationships in the midst of this difficult season? Today, I wanna to share a secret with you about how to develop better relationships. But to really learn this secret, we need to go way back to the beginning for a moment. Right after God created the world and the plants and the animals, he created the first human being named Adam. But God realizes it's not good for the man to be alone. Aloneness has never been God's will for us. God made us for, with a desire for relationships. Fortunately, God remedies the problem for Adam. He puts Adam into a deep sleep, removes one of his ribs, and fashions the woman named Eve. It says, the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. God brought Eve to Adam, and it's a gift for both of them. Throughout scripture, we see how God, how much God loves to give, give good gifts to his children. God gives gifts, not wages. But I don't think this passage is just talking about a marriage relationship between Adam and Eve. It describes the kind of connection that we all long for with other people. God designed us to know and be known. We need relationships to thrive and fulfill God's dream for our lives. Look at how the next verse describes their perfect relationship that God gave them. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame, no fear, no insecurity, no hiding from God or each other. They had a perfect connection until their relationship got severed. It got severed because they gave in to the temptation to eat the forbidden fruit, probably an apple. But I wonder, have you ever felt tempted to eat an apple? Maybe if you put some caramel on it, it might tempt me. Put it in a pie with some ice cream on it and, I'm, and it might tempt me. An apple itself is not that tempting. See, the temptation was not the apple. They felt tempted to distrust God. They felt tempted to disbelieve the goodness of God. And so Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit and it severs their relationship with each other because they felt shame and nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves to get together to cover themselves up. 
Then it says the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden and in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God. Now, they had never hid from God before. And they hid among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? What a heartbreaking question. God knows where they are. He's asking, why are you hiding? Where is your heart? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. They went from perfect relationship to shame and hiding. They go from walking with God to hiding from him. And in many ways, we've continued to hide ever since. There are many ways we can hide from connecting with, with others. Maybe you hide behind your success and achievement, which are not bad things. Accomplishments are good, but maybe you find your purpose and worth and identity in your success at work or school. Or maybe you distance yourself from others. And I don't mean social distancing. I mean emotional distancing. You can live in the same house together and barely speak to each other. You can retreat emotionally and keep people from knowing the real you. It's even possible to hide behind humor. Instead of opening up about how you're really doing, you can crack a joke as a way to avoid getting too close to someone else or to avoid letting someone know the real you. We can also hide behind religion. You can act religious on the outside. We can attend church and say the right things, but still feel disconnected from people and God on the inside. So how do we actually come out of hiding to connect with people on a deeper level, the way God designed us to live and thrive? Here's the secret. The only way to come out of hiding and connect with others is through vulnerability. Vulnerability is the on-ramp to connecting with others. If we desire better relationships, closer relationships, the only way to do that is through vulnerability. Now, one of the reasons we resist vulnerability is because we don't understand it. So to better understand the meaning of vulnerability, I want you to watch a short video by an expert named Brene Brown. Take a look. So I think the biggest myth about vulnerability is that it's weakness. I think a lot of people were raised to believe that. It was modeled, I think, certainly in our culture. Um, we see that a lot, that to be vulnerable, to be open, to be exposed is to be weak. Um, and the truth is, you know, what I found in my research is that vulnerability is not weakness. In fact, I would argue that it's our greatest measure of courage. When we went out and asked people, what is vulnerability? We heard things like, vulnerability is the first date after my divorce. Vulnerability is starting my own company. Vulnerability is taking responsibility for something that went wrong at work. Vulnerability is sitting with my wife who has stage three breast cancer and making plans for our young kids. Um, vulnerability is taking my business public. You know, the definition I use in my work of vulnerability is simply uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Vulnerability is about the willingness to show up and to be seen even when there are no guarantees. And it's interesting to me, I mean, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I gave a talk, um, it's probably a couple years now, and it was being translated by people doing American Sign Language, and they came up before the talk started, and they said, are there any words that you're going to use a lot in your talk that we should you know, know about that are might be different? And I said, well, I use the word vulnerability a lot. And they kind of, there were two of them, and they kind of looked at each other, and they said, oh, we do, we do this for vulnerability. And I said, what does that mean? They said, it means weak in the knees. And I'm like, wow, that's not how I talk about vulnerability. And she said, well, there's only one other sign for vulnerability. And I said, what is it? And she said, and I said, oh, that's what I'm talking about. And so to me, 
vulnerability is our most accurate measure of courage. I mean, it's pretty powerful when I have 13,000 pieces of data collected over 12 years that I cannot find a single incident or story of courage that was not completely underpinned by vulnerability. I think the problem arises that it's, there are so many little paradoxes with vulnerability, and one of them is that vulnerability is courage in you, but weakness in me. When I meet you, it's the first thing I look for in you, but it's the last thing I want to show you in me. And so I think to really put ourselves out there, knowing that if we do that enough, we're going to fail, I just don't think it gets more courageous than that. Vulnerability means you come out of hiding by opening your heart, which is not an act of weakness, but an act of courage that serves as the on-ramp to connection in relationships. And here's something great about vulnerability. It helps us not just love the ones we love, but to actually like them because we can see and know their heart. I like this phrase that Brene Brown used in this article I read. She described vulnerability as losing your armor because we have this tendency to armor up and cover up and hide from each other. We don't expose our thoughts and ideas and feelings. We don't take any risk. We're afraid of what other people might think. We're afraid it might not pay off. We armor up and it holds us back from connecting in relationships and making forward progress. But when we take courage and lose the armor and reveal our heart, it opens the door to better relationships and growth in the future. I think of Jesus as the greatest example of vulnerability. He didn't armor up. He didn't cover up or hide or retreat. He left the comfort of heaven and came to earth as a vulnerable baby. He opened his heart to loving and serving other people and people felt drawn and attracted to relationship with him. Jesus showed how vulnerability is the on-ramp to connecting with others. I want you to see this beautiful section of scripture that describes the vulnerability of Jesus in Philippians chapter two. It says, in your relationships, in all your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, have the same approach, the same belief, the same mindset, the same vulnerability as Jesus. So what does it look like for us to follow the example of Jesus and practice vulnerability in our relationships, especially during this COVID season? I wanna give you three vulnerability challenges three challenges to help us connect better in our relationships. Here's the first one. Make the investment of time. Jesus always took time for people. He was never in a hurry. Vulnerability takes time and many of us have extra time right now. We're spending more time at home around family than ever before. But are we making time to open up and connect with each other? It's so easy to get distracted. I wonder how many bedrooms look like this. Even when we spend time together as a family, How often does this happen? We're eating together and nobody's really connecting together. Or sometimes in our home, we're sitting together on on the couch and we pick out a show to watch together and we turn it on, but we're all on our phones and we're not fully present. It might help us to put some limits on our phones and technology, like no phones at the dinner table or no phones on the couch or after 8 p.m., which might feel strange at first but watch how life-giving it is and watch what God does as you make time to get to know the people in your life better. Putting some limits on phones and technology can help us get beneath the surface with the people we love. Let's go back to the scripture about the vulnerability and, and, and uh, having the mindset of Jesus in our relationships. Verse two says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. 
But in order for us to be like-minded and to have one mind in our relationships, we've got to know what's going on in somebody else's mind, what's going on in somebody else's heart. And that takes intentionality and the investment of time. I read this article about Jada Pinkett Smith. She hosts a talk show and is married to actor Will Smith. Jada admitted that during this COVID season at home, she discovered she doesn't really know her husband as well as she thought. She said, life gets busy and you've got these perceived ideas in your head about your spouse. But in reality, you don't know everything about your spouse. She said, we're using this COVID season to really get to know each other. We might think we know someone or we think we know what's going on in their mind, but oftentimes we don't. And people can change over time. How well do you really know the people closest to you? I've known my wife, Marnie, for uh, 36 years. We've been married for 32 years. I know her well. I know that if we take a long trip in the car, about 15 minutes into it, she will fall asleep. But do I know everything about her? No. It surprises me how often in a conversation I'll learn something new about her that I didn't know before. Or she'll share something and I'm like, I had no idea you felt that way. I'm still learning about her. No matter how long you've known someone, getting to know those you love is the journey of a lifetime. What if this week you decided to really focus on getting to know the people in your house? What if you asked them more questions like, how are you doing really? Or what do you think about this? Or why does that interest you? What do you wanna do when we get out of COVID? What's the place you miss the most? We actually put together a list of questions for you. Here's a, a link to some great questions that might help you engage in fun and meaningful conversations with people at home, maybe over dinner or sitting together in the living room. Our hosts are gonna post a link to these questions for you as well. Take advantage of this unique season of life. Vulnerability makes an investment of time to get to know other people. Here's the second vulnerability challenge. Act on what you know. Vulnerability is not just knowing more about someone. It's not just knowing someone better. It also requires action based on what you know. The passage in Philippians says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In other words, if you want better relationships, if you want to have the same mindset as Jesus, focus on the interest of other people and then act on what you know. Think about it this way. Even though we spend more time at home right now, Many of us probably begin our day by thinking about, what do I want to accomplish today? But what if you chose the night before to look at your family and say, what does a good day look like for you tomorrow? And then you plan and strategize around their interests and needs. Every time I do that, I'm amazed because I had no clue what they were thinking about. And coming up with a plan together can go a long ways in relationships. Sometimes in relationships, people have different interests and different needs. Take a look at what this verse in Ephesians chapter five says to husbands and wives. It says, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Notice how this verse encourages husbands and wives to consider the needs and interests of your spouse. Men are encouraged to love their wives. Back in that ancient culture in the first century, they viewed women as property, treated women terribly. But this verse says, men, as followers of Jesus, you need to cherish and honor and make sacrifices for your wife. She needs to know that she's loved and treasured and protected by you. There should never be a day where she wonders if you love and accept and care for her. And wives are encouraged to respect their husbands, which is not a subservient request. This is not putting women beneath men. This speaks to how men typically wanna feel admired and valued and significant. 
So here's your homework assignment, and this is for everybody. Act on what you know. Everybody in your home needs to feel loved and honored and respected. So this week, give it some thought and tell the people in your home, in your family, what you specifically love or respect about them. Think of two or three things and say, here's what I love about you, or here's what I admire about you, and fill in the blank. You could do, do this together over dinner, go around the table, include your kids, include everybody. Everybody needs encouragement. It'll go a long ways in your relationships. You know, we're all kind of like leaky tires. You ever had a leaky tire on your car or bicycle and you need to fill it with air every day? We're all kind of like that. We need to get filled up every day with love and respect and encouragement. But have you ever noticed how sometimes it can be difficult for us to open up and give a compliment and tell someone what we appreciate or admire about him or her? Sometimes it's easier to give a compliment to a total stranger than it is to give a compliment to the people closest to us. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Isn't that odd? You know why that is? It's because being honest with someone close to you about how you feel about them, it's one of the most vulnerable things you can do because it reveals your heart. It'll take some courage, but it'll open the door to connecting on a deeper level and give new life to your relationship. So make an investment of time and then act on what you know. And here's number three, know where your identity comes from. We've talked a lot today about the importance of knowing others, but if you want great relationships, there's something important you need to know about yourself. To set this up, I'm gonna show you a picture from a classic movie scene with Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger from the film, Jerry Maguire. I wonder if you know the line that I'm gonna to talk to you about, the, the line that I'm thinking about right now, and it's not show me the money. Here's the line I'm thinking of, you complete me, a classic romantic movie line. And then she says back, you had me at hello. And that's a pretty good line too, but let's go back to this one. You complete me. This line sounds good, sounds very romantic, but it has actually misled many people because another human being cannot complete you. Marriage will not complete you. Children do not complete you. And if you put that kind of pressure on another person, if you put that kind of pressure on a friendship, on a person you're dating, on your spouse or kids to fill these gaps in your life and complete you, you're gonna set yourself up for a huge disappointment and you're gonna hurt that relationship. Another person cannot complete you. Only God can do that for you. I love how Paul expresses this in Ephesians 3.19. He says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Don't miss this. God completes you through the love of Jesus. Don't look to another person to complete you. Let, let the other person be themselves and let God be God in your life. Let God complete you. And when two people both made complete in Jesus, connect in relationship, God can do something amazing and beautiful in that relationship. Let's go back to the passage in Philippians chapter two, verse five, to see how Jesus completes us. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We've, we've talked about that already. But then it goes on to say, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In other words, Jesus did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. He completed you by what he did for you on a cross where he poured out his blood for you. 
He used his strength for you, not against you. And he's God, yet he didn't consider equality with God something to use for his own advantage. He made himself nothing so that he could save you and complete you and do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Author and pastor Tim Keller makes this powerful quote about how God's love completes us. He writes, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything else. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. And this is the foundation for great relationships today. Every great friendship, every great dating relationship, every great marriage, every great relationship with God comes down to this kind of vulnerability, to know and be known and to be loved anyway, which is exactly what Jesus did for each of us. And when the love of Jesus completes you and your identity comes from him, it gives you the strength and the courage and the ability to love others the way Jesus has loved you. Maybe some of us are kind of early in our spiritual exploration and, and maybe this is new for you. Keep learning and growing and taking next steps. Maybe in the weeks ahead, you'll find this relationship with Jesus to complete you. Maybe this week you start reading through the Gospel of John in the New Testament to learn more about Jesus and really get to know him. John's Gospel is just filled with clear and rich teaching about Jesus. And the better we know Jesus, the better our relationships. So I hope you'll do all three of the vulnerability challenges this week to connect with the people God's put in your life. Make the investment of time. Act on what you know and know where your identity comes from. If we do these challenges, we'll be on our way to not just loving the ones we love, but liking them too. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you know everything about us, but you love us anyway. Thank you for completing us through your son, Jesus. Thank you for the, the vulnerability of Jesus and the way he opened his heart and life to connecting with all of us. God, help us to apply what we've learned today and in the weeks ahead. Help us to make the investment of time into our relationships and to act on what we know and help us to love others the way that Jesus has loved us. And it's in his name we pray, amen.